Well, good morning, church. Come on, y'all good? How many are thankful for the presence of God in this room? Hey, hold on, wait, wait, wait. I just, I thought, man, this would be fun, and I think it's appropriate. Because this God that we give praise to, he's not a little G God. He is the one true living God who sent his son to be the payment for my sin and for your sin. And so we can't clap like it's a golf game. We need to give him all the honor, all the glory, all the adoration. So can we give God the best praise we've given him this morning, but not just with our mouths. Let's do it from the bottom of our hearts. Come on, let's give Jesus a praise. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Come on, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you are worthy, God. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Come on, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? amen. Well, I wanna pray for us and uh, we're gonna dive right into the message today. Um, I know God has a word for us today. Do you believe it with me? Yes. Are you ready to receive from the Lord? Four people. You ready to receive? Yeah. I'll preach for like five. Can you at least get five people? Come on, somebody. I'm kidding. All right, let's go to him. Father, we thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you are God Almighty, and there is no one like you. Thank you for your word. God, it's different than our word. It's the supernatural word of God. It's living and breathing and active. And when we hear it and we apply it to our lives, you change us into the image of Christ. And so God, we right now recognize that you are king and you are Lord. That's not in dispute. But right now we intentionally say, be king and Lord of us. Our minds, our hearts, even how we hear what it is that you would say to us. God, we love you and we honor you. We acknowledge you. We're here for no man. We're here for you. So God, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on in all God's people once again said, amen, amen, amen. Well, we're gonna dive right on in today. If you were here last week, how many are thankful that God our Father loves us so much that he would give us a wake-up call, amen? How many are thankful for that wake-up call? So here's the question today. How do we build on a wake-up call? How do we begin to move forward? How do we begin to live differently? And we're gonna talk about choose to build, choose to build. And we're gonna talk a little bit about prayer, but we're also gonna talk about repentance. We're gonna talk about what is it, how do we respond when God gives us a wake-up call, when God begins to tell us to get out of the spiritual slumber, how do we begin to build moving forward? And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10. 
And as you're turning there, let me just remind you, we're going to talk a little bit about prayer and why it matters. And then at the end of my message, I'll talk about our Tuesday night prayer service. But I want you to write this down because this is going to help us for where we're going to go today. Write it down this way. What we don't build on prayer, we build on us. I want you to think about it as you're writing that down. What we don't build on prayer, we, we build on us. What I don't intentionally choose to build on prayer, I, I'm building on my wisdom. I'm building on my strength. I'm building on my abilities. I'm building on my muster. But how many of you know the Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Amen? So, so what does it mean to build on prayer? What does it mean to build our marriages on prayer? What does it mean to build how we parent our children on prayer? What does it mean to build our spiritual resistance when we're tempted with sin? What does it mean to take all of those things to prayer? Well, we're going to look at that in Hosea. And I, I tell you, I've never preached on this passage before. But this was the verse that God highlighted to me. And this was the passage I was going to preach to you last week before God interrupted my sermon and told me to preach on Ephesians 5. And so here's what it reads. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love. Pay attention to the language. It's only one verse. Break up your foul ground. For it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. I want to read it one more time. I really want you to pay attention to the text. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love. Break up your foul ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Amen? Amen. That he may come and rain righteousness upon you. What, what is it? There are two points, two directives that God is giving Israel and God is giving you and me. And the first thing that God wants us to do, write it down, is to get honest about your heart. God says, listen, if you're going to build forward, if you're going to build your life on prayer, if you're going to experience the deep things of God in your life, you need to actually come to a place where you're willing to be honest about where is your heart really? Not how do you portray yourself when you're around Christians on a Sunday morning, but where are you? What is the condition of your heart? Look again at verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your foul ground. Here's the question. Who's writing? It's the prophet Hosea. Well, what is he writing for? Israel has once again taken their eyes off of God. They have become unfaithful. They have become adulterous. And now they're wandering once again. And God would often send a messenger or a prophet to speak a word and hope that God's people would repent, that God's people would turn back to God. And so this is what Hosea does, right? He's saying, break up your foul ground. 
But even though they were adulterous, and even though they were unfaithful, and even though they were distant from God, notice from the text, they still desired righteousness, and they still desired steadfast love. And I thought, man, that's a lot like you and me. We desire the deep things of God. We desire intimacy with God. We desire to walk rightly with God. However, there is another part of us, aka our flesh, that still longs for things in the world. And so what it often happens is we we look like this. I, I want to be in Christ, but there is a part of me a gravitational pull of my heart that still wants the things of this world. And so what does Hosea do? He says, hey, here's what you need to do. If you want to experience righteousness, if you want to experience steadfast love, you need to what? You need to sow. In other words, If you want intimacy with God, listen to me, you need to choose to sow into intimacy with God. Some of us want intimacy with God, but we're never in the word. We want intimacy with God, but we don't have a prayer life. We want intimacy with God, but when temptation comes, we give way to temptation instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in our moments of weakness. This is true of Israel, and it's also true of you and me. If you and I want intimacy with God, the good news is we have everything in Christ to sow for it. Come on, somebody. We can experience everything that God wants for us in church. This is the principle of God's kingdom. This is the law of the farm. Look at New Testament now, Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7. Do not be deceived. Come on, say deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. For whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Look what Paul says. Do not be deceived. Why would Paul say do not be deceived? Here's why. Because we often are. We often fall into deception. Paul goes, hey, I don't want you to be deceived. And then he explains what the deception is. He explains the thing that we often fall for, the lie of the enemy, the lie of our flesh. Here it is. God cannot be mocked. In the Greek, mock means this, to snuff your nose up at God. To say, God, listen, I know your way, but I'm going to live my own way and I'm still going to get the same results. Paul goes, no, no, no. There is a law of the farm. A man reaps what he sows. God cannot be mocked. You cannot sow, listen to me, bad seed and get good harvest. You cannot sow the world's seed and get God's harvest. Why? Because a man or a woman reaps what he or she sows. At the end of the day, we've been given free will. This is why we're doing this series called Choices. And if I sow to please my flesh from the flesh, what? I reap destruction. But if I sow to please the Spirit, notice it's a capital S. 
I'm living my life to glorify Jesus by what? Walking faithfully in obedience as the Holy Spirit leads me, it will turn to eternal life. Church, you know what's happening so much of the time. Here it is. We're looking for a harvest to seeds that we never planted. We're looking for intimacy with God even though we didn't plant those seeds. What we're looking for faith that's strong so that we can walk in obedience to God, but we didn't sow for it. What is Hosea saying to Israel? Listen, if you want righteousness, if you want steadfast love, if you want deeper intimacy with God, then you need to sow the right seed. Can I get an amen? How many of you know this is the nature of God's kingdom? You reap what you sow. So in the text, Go back to the text. What does it say? Break up your foul ground. Break up your foul ground. Here's the obvious question. What is foul ground? What does that mean? What, what kind of understanding do we need to understand what God is actually saying to Israel and what he's saying to you and me? Here's a picture of foul ground. It's dried out, it's unplowed, it's hard, it's stale, and as a result, pay attention, it's unuseful. If I took really good seed and I sowed it on this piece of ground, it would not produce a harvest. Why? Because it can't receive the seed. So in order for what? To sow the right seed, the first step is I need to break up the foul ground. But notice it doesn't say the foul ground. Please hear this. It says your foul ground. Could it be that he's not talking about a piece of dirt? Come on, somebody. No, what's he talking about? The soil of your heart. What's the condition of your heart? And here's what I've learned, that just like this piece of dirt, our hearts can become exactly like that piece of dirt. Our lives become stale towards the things of God. Our hearts become hardened towards his truth. Our faith becomes lukewarm and we lose our intimacy with God. Our minds become carnal and we think about the things of this world. Our convictions even become dull and we actually become comfortable with our sin. Just like that hard piece of ground, we become hard and unuseful even to God and his kingdom. Why? Well, there's a principle, write it down. The condition of the soil determines the potential of the seed. Let me tell you what the seed is. The seed is the word of God. God is through a human vessel sowing his truth into our hearts. But before we can receive the seed, the hardened soil of our hearts needs to be broken up. Can I get a better amen? amen. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, 
pay attention for a second. Who's writing this? King Solomon. King Solomon, the wisest person outside of Jesus who has ever lived. He said a lot of, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a lot of wise things. He said, hey, of everything I've ever said, let me tell you the most important thing. Guard your heart. Why? It is the wellspring of your life. Everything comes out of your heart. Can I ask you, what's the best way to guard your heart? Here it is, to surrender it fully to Jesus. To surrender it fully to Jesus. And so what does Hosea tell him to do? Break up the foul ground. What does that word in the Hebrew mean to break up? It means to freshly till. Freshly till. Well, what is the word that we would use for it? Here it is. It's a word that is overused in the church and majorly misunderstood in the church. You ready for it? It's the word repent. Man, we love to talk about repentance. But oftentimes we don't have a biblical understanding of really what repentance is and what repentance requires. So, so what is it that we're really trying to understand here? I want you to understand what repentance is. But before we break that down together, let me just tell you, I remember in 1998 when I got radically saved. People always act like, Pastor Sean, why are you like, you're on Mach 10. That's your only gear. Like you're always up here. Let me tell you why I'm always up here for Jesus because I deserved hell and God gave me heaven. That, that's why I'm passionate about Jesus. And then he would take me and he would call me to be a pastor and he would say, go after lost, broken, hurting people and don't play it safe. Go after them with the power of the gospel of Jesus. There is no other gear that I have. I'm passionate about Jesus. Why do I sing and worship like that? Because I know what I deserve. I know that I deserve hell. I know that I deserve eternal separation from God. But God gave me grace and mercy and pardon. Is anybody in the house thankful that although you deserve deserved hell. God gave you mercy. And when I got saved, I'm telling you, with such a radical conversion, I was in the word every single night before bed. Open up my Bible. I am in the word. I'm not just reading the word. I'm allowing the word to read me. And as God spoke to me, God would say, hey, I want you to surrender this. I, I want you to not do that. I want you to do that. And I allowed the word of God to shape my life. And God began to transform me from the inside out. So here's what I'm saying. It wasn't behavior management. It wasn't me trying to look a certain way. No, it was allowing God to have its right, his rightful place in my life and walking in obedience to his word. And as I walked into obedience to his word, guess what was happening? He was changing my heart. So the things that were coming out of me were being transformed. Why? Because he had my heart. And whatever he spoke to my heart, I walked in obedience. That happened for a good while, and then I got distracted. Come on, somebody. And I got my eyes off of Jesus. And I stopped spending time in the Word. And then when I would read the Word, sometimes when God spoke to me, it sounded like it was optional. 
And you know what I realized real quick? That it is very easy for the soft heart that we get in Christ to become hardened again. See, it's one thing to give your heart to God. Listen to me. It's another thing to keep it in his hands. Oftentimes, we surrender it to Jesus and then we take it back. Okay, God, I've got it from here. Can I get an amen? Listen, this is why he is speaking to Israel. This is what they did. You say, Pastor Sean, how do you know that? Look at this, verse 13. You have plowed iniquity. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of the lies because you have trusted in your own way. Church, how often does this happen to us? We surrender to God and we get distracted and maybe we even still read the word a little bit but it becomes optional. I'm not really gonna do it, I just wanna read it so that I feel better about reading the word and little by little, listen, conviction by conviction and we neglect it, we neglect it, we neglect it. Callous, 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 callous and it becomes hard. And it's not that God isn't speaking, it's not that God isn't convicting, it's I've allowed my heart to go back into my hands and as a result, it's become hard and it's no longer sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? So what does God say? I need you to get honest about the condition of your heart. What, what does that look like? God, my heart has become hard. God, my faith has become cold. God, my love for you has become lukewarm. God, my priority in life hasn't been you. See, to repent means to turn but it means to change your mind. And oftentimes, as the church, we go, man, I know I've got stuff in here in my heart. Yes, Pastor Sean, it's hard. And then we say things like, God, I repent. But we really don't understand what repentance means. And we don't really understand what repentance requires. And so even though we say the words, listen, with great intentions, we don't experience the breakthrough that God really wants for us. How many of you know that today's the day we start doing that differently and we get to experience what God really wants to do in our lives? If you're with me, come on, say amen to that, amen? So let, let, let me tell you what repentance means. It means, number one, to acknowledge sin. Write it down, to acknowledge sin. Please hear me. Not, I've made a mistake. No, I acknowledge it as sin. This is what God's holy standard says. This is what I have done. I have sinned. Here's the second thing, second meaning of repentance, to confess sin. So once I acknowledge it, what do I do? I now confess it to God. God, I don't call it a mistake. I have what? I have sinned against you. Er, stop. Because this is where the church often stops. We acknowledge it, and we even bring it to God and we confess it, but we don't do the third part of repentance, and if we miss this part, we'll never experience the breakthrough. Here it is. We turn from sin. How many of you know it's one thing to confess sin, it's another thing to renounce it, Amen. 
It's one thing to go, okay, there's some sin in my life. God, I confess that sin and just stop there. There's a difference between getting to that place and stopping there and getting to the place where we say, look, I'm not going to continue to walk in it. I am renouncing its power over me. Jesus, you have already broken off the chains of sin off of my life. I am going to turn from that sin. Amen? So, so that's what it means. But what does repentance require? See, it means something, but it also requires something. Write it down this way. It requires absolute humility. Can I give you the biblical picture of humility? It's not, I'm a man of God, I'm a woman of God, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a wife, I'm a college student. It's not that. Let me tell you the posture of humility. The posture of humility is to come to God as his child. And to say, I am in need of you. And I am desperate for you. And I cannot do this without you. See, oftentimes, here's what we do. We come to God and we make promises and we say, I'll never do it again. That's the wrong posture. Posture that God wants is humility to say, God, I am your child and I humble myself before you. I am dependent. I am in need. I can't do it. Number two, it requires a willingness to change. This is the reason why a lot of people don't experience breakthrough when they repent. Because Beneath the surface, there's a big part of us, here it is, that doesn't really want to change. So it's easier to say, God, I repent, I'll never do it again. God goes, I don't need that. I want you, and I want your full surrender that says, God, whatever you want to do in my life, have your way. Y'all, this is why Jesus, you remember the man that was lame at the pool and he wanted healing? What did Jesus say? Do you wish to get well? You wanna know why? A lot of us wait around the pool. We get close enough to God when he could heal us, but we don't actually want to change. God goes, no, that's not repentance. Repentance is a willingness to let me break in you what needs to be broken. Number three, to fully turn to God. That's what it requires, to fully turn to God. Pay attention. Repentance is not just turning from sin. It's also turning to God. A lot of times we turn from sin, but we don't turn to God. How many are thankful that there is power in repentance when we understand what it means and we meet its requirements of humility, a willingness to change. And God, I turn towards you. Not my strength, okay, not I'm gonna try hard not to fall into that sin again. No, I am powerless against that. I need the power of God. I need to turn to God. I need to pursue God, amen? amen. And God says, listen, I'm waiting for you with mercy. I've got grace for you. Jesus said it this way to some Pharisees in Matthew chapter three, verse eight. Prove by the way you live that you have 
repented of your sins and have turned to God. In other words, talk is cheap. Come on, somebody. Real repentance is proving by the way we live that we have turned from that sin and instead have turned to God. So once we get honest with God about our hearts, what's the second directive? Number two, and it's the final one. Here it is. We got to get desperate for God. Oh, come on. Is anybody in the house desperate for God? I'm not talking about like, yeah, I kind of want to go to church. No, I don't want to play it safe. I want to get desperate for God. No one else is going to heal me but him. No one else is worthy of my praise and my worship but him. I give him. I am desperate for God. Let me ask you a question. Who are you seeking? Are you seeking church? Are you seeking a Bible study? Or are you seeking the Lord? Look again, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up the foul ground. It is time. Come on, somebody. It is time to seek the Lord. How many of you believe me? It's time to seek the Lord. See, here's the problem. Oftentimes we go, okay, I'm not going to prioritize the sin anymore. And we stop there. God goes, I'm glad you're not going to prioritize the sin, but I need you to prioritize me. I'm going to turn from the sin, but I'm going to turn to God. Can I get a better amen? So he says it's time to seek. That word in the Hebrew means this, to resort, to tread, or to frequent. But if you do a study on the word and you actually boil down the meaning, pay attention to this. It means to seek deity and prayer or worship. To seek deity. What's deity? Divine. It's a pagan word, and God would use a pagan word. Why? Because God loves us and he meets us where we are because we're often found seeking the little g gods of this culture. We're seeking those things that aren't worthy of our faith, aren't worthy of our worship. Isn't it just like a loving father that would use the word to find us where we really are? And then what do we do when we're found? God goes, turn from seeking little g-gods and seek me, the one true God who sits securely on his throne at the right-hand throne of the Father, who is your ever-present help in time of trouble, who is your strong tower in time of need, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who is Jehovah Jireh, who is Jehovah Nisi, who is Jehovah Shalom. God says, seek me. Seek me. And if we do this, what happens? Church, let's look again at verse 12. I want to see if you see the progression. Because it blew my mind. Break up your foul ground. That's the first part. For it's time to seek the Lord. That's the second part. That he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Listen to me that he may come. Church, did you hear it? He wants to come. He wants to bring intimacy. 
He wants to reign righteousness. Pay attention. We're waiting on God. God's waiting on us. God's like, you're waiting on me to rain out, rain down righteousness. I'm waiting for you to repent, to turn from sin, and turn to me. Write these three things down. This is God's process. Number one is to repent. This is God's process, to repent. Break up the foul ground. Number two, it's time to seek the Lord. We pray. So we repent, right? We turn from sin. We turn to God. We seek him in worship and in prayer. And if we do those two things, somebody better get happy in church. Come on, somebody. He reigns. God reigns. So we're sitting there going, okay, God, would you show up and do something powerful? God goes, I've already done everything at Calvary powerful enough for you. I'm just waiting for you to respond to what I've done. And if you repent and you pray, I will rain down from heaven blessing. I will rain down from heaven righteousness. I will rain down from heaven peace and joy and the goodness of the Lord. Do you see it? We're like, God, I'm waiting on you. God goes, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. You repent. You turn and you prioritize me. I will come and I will rain down righteousness on you. What a beautiful promise from God, amen? What a loving father. Church, this is why on February 6th of 2024, four, four. We're gonna, I don't even know where that came from, just roll with it. Um, my wife has just learned to go, okay, good job, babe. Um, uh, this is why we're going, I can't even relive that. So let me, um, this is why we're gonna start our Tuesday night prayer service. How many of you excited? about it. Come on. How many excited about it? Why? Because it's time to seek the Lord. Oh, let me tell you, it was time for Israel in that moment, according to the now word they needed to hear that day. But it's also time for you and me. This is the now word for you and me in 2023, 2024. It is time to seek the Lord. Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. Now notice this. Now he begins to brag on God. For to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Come on. He is rich in mercy. He is rich in kindness and goodness and love. God is so awesome. So, so we're starting a brand new. We're going to build a new culture as a church. And we're going to become people of prayer so that we can become a house of prayer. And here's what I want to do. I want to try to answer your questions before you ask me what they are. And if I don't answer all your questions, then come see me offline. But I want you to know four primary things, and then I'll answer some questions. Number one, write it down. Tuesday night prayer service is the most important service of the week. Listen to me. I didn't say it's the most important 
prayer service of the week. I said it is the most important service of the week. You're gonna hear us say it all the time. You say, Pastor Sean, it's more important than a Sunday morning. Yes, here's why. Because what happens here on Tuesday nights releases heaven's power on Sunday mornings. Come on, you wanna see people come to the Lord. It's gonna shift in our Tuesday night prayer service. You wanna see miracle signs and wonders uh, poured out for the sake of the non-believer. It's gonna start by building a culture of prayer. Can I get an amen? Number two, it is intentionally different than Sundays. It is not another Sunday service that we put on a Tuesday night. It is programmed completely different. I'll talk about that in just a second. Let me, let me just say one more thing. Here's what I mean by that. Don't go, okay, I'll go to Tuesday instead of Sunday. They're totally different services. Number three, write it down. They're programmed to empower people to pray. Everything we do on a Tuesday is to empower you to grow in prayer. Maybe you would go, hey, I feel comfortable praying. Like I've been walking with the Lord a long time. Here's the deal. Maybe you were like me for many years and I felt really stale in my prayer life. And the truth is, I didn't know what to say. I, I really didn't have much of a prayer life. I want you to know, regardless of where you are on the spectrum, Tuesday night is an opportunity for you to be empowered to grow in your prayer life. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, number four, it's also designed to help families grow together. We want this to be an environment that actually helps families grow together. Listen, it's gonna help parents help their kids pray and worship. Can I get an amen? Will you preach back a little bit? Listen, this is a big deal. How do kids learn how to worship? How do kids learn how to pray? By watching their parents, like anything else. How do they learn what's true? By watching their parents not just say it, but live it. They're paying attention. We wanna help you. So we've got some questions. I'm gonna do my best to answer them. Number one, will we continue to have first Wednesdays? The answer is no. Our last first Wednesday will be December 6th. Here's why I'm excited to free up Wednesdays because this gives uh, Pastor Abe and Pastor Allie and the students and all the work that God is doing in the next generation. It gives them back their Wednesday night so that they can continue to pour into that generation. Amen. <laughs> All right, number two, when will we do water baptisms? We'll do them quarterly uh, during our Tuesday night prayer service. So they'll be quarterly. We'll add more as the church continues to grow. Number three, why does childcare stop after third grade? So we'll have it all the way from birth to third grade. Why does it stop there? Here's why. To empower families to pray and worship together. Listen, God wants them in the room. I love having youth ministry. I love having kids ministry. It is important we can do age-appropriate ministry for them, but it shouldn't just be that. There are times, moments, God says, bring them into the room. Get your jars ready because the Holy Spirit's gonna fill it with oil. And God says, I want your kids to see it. So what will Tuesday night prayer service be like? Well, we're gonna pray together. Come on, somebody but we're also gonna to worship together. It's gonna to be a powerful time of worship. We're gonna to share together. There'll be testimonies where we get to celebrate what God is doing in our midst, amen? We're gonna take communion together. A lot of times people ask, when do we do communion as a church? Uh, right now we do it during First Wednesday. 
but we'll do it now during Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to grow together. Once in a while, as the Holy Spirit leads, I'll teach or somebody will teach a smaller message, and the purpose of that message will be to direct us to really engage God through prayer. And then we're going to celebrate together. We'll have our water baptism celebrations. Y'all, if you've been to one of those, how many of you know they are straight up a Jesus party? Come on, somebody. Amen. All right, last two. What are the primary differences between Sundays and Tuesdays? Um, Sundays, don't get me wrong, Sundays are to feed the church and to teach the church, and it's very teaching heavy. We do a lot of teaching. But it's also one of the best environments we have to reach non-believers. Here's why. There are non-believers that go, man, that seems like a safe step. I'm gonna come and check out the church. And then we always share the gospel we want them to know an opportunity is here to respond to Christ. But what is the difference between that and Tuesday? Tuesday is primarily the best environment, here it is, to strengthen and refresh the church. We need to be strengthened and we need to be refreshed in our walk with God, amen? amen. We're not gonna have coffee, why? We got Jesus juice, come on somebody. Um, we're not gonna have greeters at the door. Our staff is gonna do that. Um, we're not gonna be hanging out and chatting in the lobby. We're gonna be getting after the presence of God in here, amen? Um, there's gonna be nobody serving in V-Kids. We're just gonna duct tape them and let them run around, kidding. Um, we're gonna contract nannies. Here's why. Because we want you to be in the room. We want you to be in the room. Why are we doing it weekly? Here's the last question I'm gonna answer. Why is this not monthly? Why are we doing this weekly? Here's what I wrote down. Only prayer and discipleship will empower people to endure to the end. Church programs won't. Discipleship and prayer is what will keep us strengthened and refreshed so that we step over the threshold of heaven one day and hear, well done, good and faithful servants. Amen. I want you to write this down. Our heart gets healed when we turn to God, but it only stays healed when we remain in him. It gets healed when we turn to God, but it only stays healed when we remain in him. Jesus says in Matthew 24, starting in verse 10, listen, let he who has ears, let him hear what God is saying, and that many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will increase, sin will increase, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So what do we do with this message? Before you write down these three closing points, I'm asking you before you see him up here, I'm asking you to make a decision right now. I'm not just gonna write them down, I'm gonna do them. God, I'm gonna do them. My answer is yes. Number one, turn from sin and turn to God. Come on, what is it in your life that you need to turn from and instead turn to God? Number two, start building a Tuesday night prayer rhythm now. Come on, start building it now. Use Tuesday nights and secure them for prayer. 
As for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. One of the ways that we're going to do that is we're going to pray on Tuesdays. Here's why. Because when February 6 comes along, you already have the rhythm built into your schedule. It's actually easy to show up on Tuesday. Why? Because we've been doing this at home. We've been calling upon the name of Jesus as a family. We're going to secure this time now. Number three, in light of Jesus' warning, here it is. Pre-decide to finish strong. Pre-decide to finish strong. When many are falling astray and their love for Jesus is growing cold, no, we will stay rooted in the house of God. We will stay strengthened in his presence and in his word and refreshed in his spirit so that we can finish strong. Here it is. And step over that threshold of heaven and get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Come on, if you're thankful for God's love, would you give him praise this morning? Come on. Would you jump to your feet, everybody? And I'm, I'm just gonna ask you to, to do this if your heart means it. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord. If you know whether you need to surrender your life to him, give him your heart, or whether you need to give it to him again because it's been back in your hand and it's become hard. Right now, just lift up your hands to the Lord. If you know the decision you need to make today is I need to endure to the end. I'm pre-deciding right now. I've been kind of running aimlessly and I've been growing cold. But God, I, I hear what you're saying and I'm gonna endure to the end. I want to walk in the fullness of your salvation. Come on, let's pray for that. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. God, we can't do any of this without you. We thank you last week that you loved us enough to give us a wake-up call. And thank you, Lord, that you've shown us in your word how we respond to a wake-up call, that we get honest about the condition of our heart, and we surrender it to you. God, once again, we surrender our heart to you and we repent. God, break up the foul ground. We turn from sin and we turn to you, Jesus. And God, we choose to seek you with all of our heart. No longer lukewarm faith, all of our heart. There is no other faith but burning hot faith that's appropriate for a king to receive. We won't give you half of our hearts. Jesus, take it all. We surrender our lives to you. Thank you that you're rich in mercy. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, and all God's people said, amen.